Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'd like to share a little bit with you this morning. Uh, I'm going to go back to two weeks ago a little bit. I'm going to try not to dwell too much, but I, I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago about dress to the nines, and I had a little bit of fun with that. I was talking about the nine fruit of the Spirit and the nine gifts of the Spirit. And I really felt like I did a, a, a poor service to the nine gifts of the Spirit because I spent so much time on the nine fruit, uh, fruits of the Spirit. And I, I think you remember the assertion that I made when I began this lesson was I think that even now more so, the closer and closer we get to those times that the Bible promises are going to be more challenging before his coming, before the Lord comes back for his church, as times gets more challenging, and as they certainly are challenging now, the more and more we get closer to that time, the tougher things may get out there, it is going to be even more crucially important that we get a hold of these nine gifts of the Spirit, nine fruit of the Spirit, truly exemplifying the characteristics and character that God has called us to be. We have got to be effective for the world around us. I am convinced of that, that through the Word and through Scripture and through God, through Jesus' message, that for us to be completely ineffective, to set aside some of these things and say, well, they're just not necessary. That's just not the way I do it. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm too shy. I have this issue. I'm too busy at work. I have things that I have to do. It's just not going to fly. I believe in my heart of hearts that if we are not effective in some way, if we're not bearing our own fruit, if we're not doing things that are going to be effective for the kingdom, caring about those that are around us, we are in danger ourselves. And I will preach that until the day that I die. I am that convinced of that. And so I began speaking, and I had a little fun with it. The fruit of the Spirit is a fun uh, topic, and, and, and it can, we can have some fun. Dressed to the nines. I was, some people commented to me this week because they said one of the traditions that's believed is that the, the nine was the shape of our ear. That, that looks like a nine, right? And so from the, from, the, from the base of your shoes all the way up to your collars, you hit the nines, dressed to the nines. And, and someone was just cracking up about that and had a lot of fun with that. And, uh, and so it was a good topic, and it's good to know, because if we're not exemplifying those, we're going to fight back and forth. I always go, I talk about that battle we have with our flesh, right? And daily, our flesh and, and the spirit are battling, and they're warring back together. And so every time you exemplify something that is contrary to a fruit of the spirit, guess what? Your, 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 your flesh is winning. And if your flesh is winning all the time, then we've got a problem. That is displeasing to God. That is not where he wants us to be. And so there is a serious side to bearing the fruit of the Spirit and continuing to look at those, those characteristics, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and temperance, all of those things that God asks us to be. And, and all you have to do is look out your window or turn on uh, one of the news channels and you can see what not to do, right? You can see the exemplified behaviors that do not show love and peace and joy and long-suffering and kindness and so forth. And so if we as a church, if we as people of the church don't exemplify those characteristics, we look like the world, then we have failed in our mission, our job is to let the light of him shine through us, right? No man will see God but through us, through holiness in us and through, through our behavior. His spirit can't draw them lest it be through us, right? It's the spirit in us 
that nine gifts, those nine fruit come from, the spirit in us that people will see. And trust me, believe me, there's a world outside that sees nothing but darkness. They see nothing but challenge. They see nothing but destruction and anger and fear. And all of a sudden, a little light pops up. A little LED Christian pops up in the darkness and lights up the whole place. I guarantee you people will be attracted to that. You can be used that way. Be that little LED light that just pops up in the deepest of the dark that people are experiencing in their lives. And and, and they'll see that and be drawn to that in you. And exemplify those things that the Spirit has done for you. Love them. I was so amazed by Brother Vidley Kiesel's message on Wednesday. What a wonderful blessing he is. And thank you for continuing to give. We are, we are continuing to receive uh, uh, offerings for him through today. And so if you do uh, want to continue to give to his message, we've had a wonderful outpouring of gift for him. I got to go to dinner with him on Wednesday night. Wonderful, amazing man. Uh, just a terrific I love him so much, sweet spirit, tender spirit. And he said, Pastor Cordell, if, if people in your country could spend two weeks out of their entire lives outside the borders of this nation, all of this stuff that you're experiencing right now would not be happening. Places where people, for simply saying the name Jesus, can be executed. For carrying a Bible, you're imprisoned. Many of you don't know, but... Someone that he is, he, I can't say too much, but someone that he was, is associated with for simply holding a meeting was arrested while he was here in the States just recently. Simply for holding a meeting of a bunch of church people. And now he's going to be staying here in the United States longer because they're looking for him back home. He said, if they just spent two weeks of their lives outside this nation, they would realize the amazing, abundant bounty and privilege that everybody has in our shores, from shore to shore. But something that remarked me so much and something he said, if you remember the story he told, he told the story of taking some of those Christmas gift packages and he knocked on the door of a woman and he stood there and he said, God loves you and so do you I. Remember that story? And she, at first she was suspicious and angry. Who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm here from the apostolic church. I'm, I, just, I have these gifts for you. Why are you doing this? She said. And he said, because God loves you and so do I. And we just want to bless you today. And it struck something in me. The first of the nine fruit, love. You see, we live, they live in Russia, completely godless society, except for the underground churches and the few people. In terms of a society, they are godless. Well, what is God? God is love. He is the embodiment of love. And everyone that knoweth him, loveth him, and knoweth God, First John 4, 7, and 8, right? But it struck me, and I realized, that particular kind of love, that agape, godly love, that pure love, They do not know. He said they don't know what a Bible is. They've never heard anything about religion. They don't know what faith is. They've been told that it's all fake and it's no good. Nothing. A society void of God's love. And I said, well, Brother Kiesel, here, regardless, I mean, we're we're getting to be very secular. This, This nation is going godless. They've taken it out of schools. They're taking down the Ten Commandments. They're wanting to rip it out of, uh, of society in every, every way possible. However, 
This nation was founded on God. This nation was founded by godly men who sought his will. And so therefore, everywhere we go, no matter what our differences are, we're surrounded by people that in some way, shape, or form have experienced that great godly love. There's been churches in the United States from the very founding, multiple denominations as we know, but people who've been associated with the knowledge and understanding of what God's love is. And I thought to myself, that is powerful. How did I miss this before? How did I not understand this before? But that love, that godly love, is the greatest power in the universe. That woman is going to his church now, got married into the church, has children, has a family, she's happy, she's participating in the church family. That has elevated her out of a a place of despair. I believe he said that she was abusing alcohol, that she did have children and they they were destitute. And and God has turned that whole situation around. Because one man was willing to stand and knock at a door and say, here's something for you. God loves you and so do I. You see how just that one part of the fruit of the Spirit could be so incredibly powerful. People are being submerged right now. They're being placed into a place of darkness. They're being pushed down into darkness, pushed away from uh, faith and Christianity. They're out there in Portland burning Bibles, wrapping them in American flags. There's an attempt, there's a spirit of the world that's wanting to take this thing out of society and they're never gonna be able to do it as long as you and I are willing to stand up and exemplify the nine fruit of the Spirit starting out with God's love we can love this world into a better place but it's got to start there so I want to take you today into that next place the gifts of the spirit the nine gifts the nine the excuse me the nine fruit and the nine gifts go hand in hand we've got to have the first set in order to really get the first set. Understand that. And these are things, the nine fruit are things that we should be exemplifying. We should be living. You can do it now. You can have temperance. You can bear down and, and, and just hold yourself. If somebody is irritating the tar out of you, you can bear down, grit your teeth, and you can have temperance in the way that you respond to them. So you can do that. You can take actions. These are things that you can employ in your life right now if you discipline yourself to do so. But those nine gifts now, the nine gifts of the Spirit, those are the things that we need to seek. And God's just not going to dump them out on everybody. He's going to all of a sudden fill you up with nine gifts and say, have at it, partner. Especially if you're not exemplifying the nine fruit. But I want to tell you today that I believe in my heart of hearts, as I said at the beginning of this message, moving forward, that in order for us to continue to be successful moving forward, to face the challenges that we're going to face, and we're facing some big ones now, but I don't think we've seen nearly what this world is capable of. We need to have these gifts operating in the body. It's not a matter of choice. Well, this church didn't do that. We, we just haven't explored that. I don't believe that's a choice. We want to get back to Pentecost. We want to get Pentecost operating in the world again today like it was back then. We want to get a hold of some of these things and start reaching out into our community, doing the thing that God has called us to do, to seek and to save that which is lost. I'm telling you today that these nine gifts of the Spirit need to be operating in the church effectively and abundantly and so that we can continue the mission. It's incredibly important. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians. I'm going to try to go through scripture. I've got a few today. I'm going to try to go through quickly. So if you can't keep up, that's okay. This is being recorded. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Of course, you know, this is, this is the introduction. This is, this is where Paul begins to 
begin uh, to discuss those spiritual gifts. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Now again, I want to step back for a second. I want everybody to understand that some people misunderstand the gifts of the Spirit as the one in, in, in the same as receiving the Holy Ghost upon believing and, and receiving his spirit. That is a se- it's not a different spirit, it is a separate occurrence. It is the evidence of receiving the spirit when you are first saved. We, I've preached messages about that, it's not what I'm preach on today. The nine gifts are subsequent gifts applied from God to, to, to Christians who are earnestly seeking them, have taken the steps that are living a godly life, exemplifying the nine fruit of the spirit. God will bestow and will offer to his people gifts of the spirit in order to uh, uh, accomplish certain things. And I'm going to get into those very shortly. We must understand. In other words, you can't walk in. I don't believe you can walk in off the street and say, hey, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. And God suddenly provides you any one or all of the nine gifts of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, I'm not aware of any one person in history that could honestly say that they operated in all nine gifts. I think that would be extraordinary. I could be wrong now. I don't, there's possibility. But it would be an extraordinary circumstance if that were the case. But this is a process of a walking Christian seeking God, ministering as God has called him to do so. This isn't just something you walk in off the street and wow, now I've suddenly have these abilities. I know some may want to debate me on that, but I'd be happy to sit down with the scriptures and go further into it. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And so what Paul is doing right now is he is differentiating between the, just the average common man, the Gentile, the person who's just living as a, as a fleshly Gentile, not knowing God. You are not going to exemplify the gifts of the Spirit until you know him, and as he says there in verse 3, but by the Holy Ghost. Okay, that infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now, in verse four, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. That means there's more, there's a bunch of them. He's not alluding to it yet, but we, he'll, literally, he'll literally enumerate them and they count out as nine. There are diversities, but the same spirit. I said that earlier. When you come into the church, when you're drawn by the Spirit of God, you've come to a place of repentance in your life. That Acts 2.38, first time the church was born experience, and you get down on your knees and repent to God of your sins, and you begin seeking His Spirit. You're asking Him into your life, as some people put in the nomenclature and popular theology, that you ask Him to be your personal Savior. Well, we don't see that in Scripture. We don't really say it that way per se. But when you ask God, when you're seeking God, you want Him in your heart. There is an evidentiary experience where God gives you that spirit as you release that tongue and you begin speaking in that other language. That is that first time experience. That's the new guy. That's the Gentile or the Jew or whoever can come in and have that experience. This experience is that same spirit, Paul is saying in verse 4. In verse 5, and there are differences of administrations. There's different ways that they manifest. Administrations means the way that they appear, how you use them, okay? But the same Lord, And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Okay? You you see the unity in this? and It's the same spirit. It's the same God, the same Lord, the same operation, just different ways that they manifest. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. 
Okay, what does that mean? The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. In other words, this gift is available to everyone who truly seeks it, who truly wants God infilling in their hearts. For to one, verse 8, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, number one. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Notice it's plural. We'll get to that in a moment. Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles, and to another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all of these worketh that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. They're given out to multiple people, every person, as he will, as the person will, as they're willing, as they're seeking. Again, we'll get to the part where Paul talks about it's, it's, we should be desiring these gifts. We should be actively seeking them. We should be talking about them. I mentioned to you in my previous message that I was, I was almost shocked to learn in a, in a leadership class we were holding here, our Jonathan Project class, as we, start, we talked on this topic. And I started to learn that there were people in our class uh, that, that had sought out and had been used in many of these gifts, if not all of them. Collectively, I discovered that in a small way, in a very quiet way, and in its sparse points in time, all nine gifts of the Spirit were actively being participated in in this church, in this body. And my first statement was, why don't we know this? Why isn't this something that we're talking about? And you know why? Because I, I believe why. Is because tradition and because people are polite and they don't want to brag and they're afraid to, to speak out and they're afraid to, to glorify themselves and all these things that the enemy wants to put into your head. Oh, don't better not talk about that. It's kind of embarrassing. Well, I'm not sure we should discuss. Well, I don't know if I was really used. I, I would give the glory to God. We need to speak about these things. This is stuff has got to get out. Because if you find out that, that person B uh, was used in the gift of healing in a particular experience, and you say, hey, I, I saw person B, they're a friend of mine. I, I, I live like person B, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. And we start to recognize and say, hey, you know what, I can be used this way as well. It builds faith. It says to people, I can do this. I can be used in these spirits. If, if they can pray for somebody, I want to try it. I want to seek that spirit. God, use me to heal. Or use me to help people find you use me in a word of knowledge we got to build each other's face faith with that so that this operates openly and freely critically important as we're moving forward in the word of knowledge is simply the holy spirit the word of knowledge the first one he mentions word of knowledge knowing well i'll tell you what right now ignorance and 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 lack of knowledge or understanding creates it creates confusion and fear well, I wish I had some words of knowledge today on the true nature of COVID-19. I want a word of knowledge, God, on exactly how this thing works and how it's defeated and do masks work or don't they and all these other things. And if God chooses to give me that word of knowledge, he will. But it's knowing. It, it, is, it, it is literally a supernatural experience of knowing something that maybe you shouldn't know or wouldn't have a way of knowing. It's simply the Holy Spirit transmitting his knowledge to you on something that you would have no ability or means to, or, or, or ability to know uh, with, with just our limited in, uh, intelligence, okay? In other words, something that you shouldn't know or probably wouldn't know, God reveals to you through the Spirit. It's a how-to type of a gift. How to do something, how to speak to someone, how to pray over someone, how to do something or say something or to teach something. A word of knowledge. 
uh, it's, a, it's a without a doubt type of knowing. I shared an experience I had with you uh, last time. I talked about a lady who was, was, in our, was in our fellowship group and she was about to lose her job. Everybody in her department, uh, and I was a much younger man then. I was not as versed now and, and as, as studied now as, or then as I am now. And, and so I was a pretty young guy, and, and so we were listening to this story, and, and I, felt, I, I felt sorry for her. She's a friend, and, and my heart was breaking for her because she was so afraid she was going to lose this wonderful job that she loves, and, and, and everyone else in the department was getting fired, and she's telling this story, and all of a sudden, something popped into my head, something I, and, and I'm feeling compassion for her in her fear of losing her job, and all of a sudden, something popped in my head, and I turned, and I looked at her, and I said, uh, Sister Bonnie, I said, they're going to call you in and, and uh, uh, they're not going to fire you. They're actually going to offer you a job in another place and it's going to be better with more money. And I just blurted that out without any, I, I didn't stop myself. And I wasn't, I wasn't taken over by some sort of trance or some weird experience. Nothing crazy happened to me. Just a thought came into my mind, I think through my heart, because I was feeling compassion in my spirit for her. And that word came out. And, and, and she looked at me like, what? People are getting fired all over the company. They're downsizing. They're doing all this stuff. And, and I think she was just a little, a little upset. Like, how insensitive for you to make up something like that? But she didn't know. But here's the best part of the story. The following church service. I was in here in the building. And she literally ran up to me. And she said, you would not believe what happened to me in my job. She said, they came in, they sat me down in the meeting, called me into a meeting and sat me down and said, we're eliminating your job, there is no more in your department, but we have an opportunity for you in this other department, we think you'd be great. And she got a raise, and it was a better opportunity for her. Now that's, that's amazing, and I didn't ask for that, I didn't, I didn't say, God, give me a word of knowledge, I want to, you know, Sister Bonnie is experiencing something, but he chose, for whatever reason, just maybe because of my compassion and my heart for her, he chose to give me that word of knowledge. And in word of knowledge apparently can happen that way almost spontaneously. In other words, it's not necessarily from my experience and what I read, one of those things that we necessarily have to be really seeking for. God, give me this. I really want this. It's something that God gives us uh, through the Spirit to edify one another and to help one another. And that's what, that's what the gifts of the Spirit really are for, for edification, for teaching, for, for encouraging people. Word of knowledge is going to be a powerful, powerful tool that we'll be able to use not only here in the church and for people that come, but out there, out there where people desperately need God. The word of wisdom you'll give, will give you an ability to be able to properly apply the knowledge that you have. It's wisdom. We know what wisdom is. Uh, but it, 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 again, it, the gift is described as a word of wisdom. So again, something inspirational, something that, that, that you've been given. You have some knowledge, but now that inspirational wisdom in order to enact on it, using that knowledge in a better way. Right, And so uh, in, in the case with Sister Bonnie, I don't believe that it was a word of wisdom. I believe it was a word of knowledge. I simply, God just allowed me to know that those people were going to come in and offer her a better job. And some people say, oh, that's coincidence, that's happenstance, that stuff happens every day. Okay, that's fine. But I'll tell you what, she was lifted up in her faith. She believed it. She, she came and knew. She said, you, you told me the word. You told me this was going to happen. And now that elevated her in faith and it encouraged her. And she went on uh, in to take that job. But the word of wisdom is that ability to properly apply knowledge. So in my view, wisdom, according to the word, wisdom is safety. 
And the more that we can extol wisdom and words of wisdom from people, we create a safe environment. We create opportunities of safety, keeping people safe. Taking action based on insight and wisdom can help us and keep us from making critical mistakes or getting ourselves into trouble. If your pastor's up here and, and you're getting ready to fire up and, and, and you've got all your guns loaded and you've got your flag on your shoulder and you're getting ready to run out into something and pastor says, i got a word of wisdom for you. Be careful. Be careful in what you do. Proverbs 24 and 5 says, A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel, you will wage war, wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Now, I've, I've had that quoted many times to me over time. I've quoted it, multiple of counselors, there's safety. And you think that appears once in the word. It does not. It's multiple times in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 15 and 22 says, Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Sometimes as, as Christians and people, we, we want to rush off and do things. We get an idea in our head and something that's, you know, we're going we're gonna to sell our home and, and quit our job and, and, and start an ant farm or something and, and uh, some kind of crazy thing and uh, some new business and pastor says, or, or, or a minister or someone that's, that's, that's a wise counsel, mom or dad, says, hey, wait a minute now. I, I don't know that that's a good idea. Ant farms aren't doing that well right now. The ant farm is, you know, the ant market is glutted. And you see what I'm saying? And so without that counsel, without seeking counsel, uh, things, as the word says, plans go awry. Things can be dangerous. You can make mistakes. Proverbs 20 and 18 says, every purpose is established by counsel, by wise counsel, wage war. That's two times in Proverbs that it talks about waging war under wise counsel. Now, does it mean, is it mean taking up arms and running out and fighting a fight? Not necessarily. We wage war every single day. We war in the spirit. We war against things that are coming against us. We war against the challenges that afflict us in our lives. And we can be reactionary and we can do things improperly. So the word of wisdom operating in the church can be such a tremendous value to people to keep them safe, to keep people from making mistakes and hurting themselves. Proverbs 11 and 4 says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety, once again. Multitude of counselors. The word of prophecy is one that I believe is, uh, is very, extremely important. In Paul's eyes, and if you read Paul, I'm going to share a couple scriptures with you. Uh, he puts a lot of emphasis on the word of prophecy. It may be the most important of the nine gifts. And I believe it is one that we do have to actively seek. I think it's one that, that is where we would talk to God and say, God, I want to be used in this area. I want to help my church. I want to be used in this area. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and 4. It says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good. He seems to have a thing for prophecies. Well, what are prophecies? A lot of people, you hear prophecy and they think future telling or forecasting or telling the future, seeing things uh, before they happen. And, And many times that can be true. But the gift of prophecy is when you get a direct word from the Lord to, to usually give to someone else. Literally, it's a message from the Lord that will be given to you uh, uh, word for word. It's literal. Okay. So now, what I said to Sister Bonnie, you could say, well, that sounded like a gift of prophecy. Well, maybe it was. 
Maybe it wasn't just a word of knowledge. Maybe it was prophecy because it was something that was coming. But literally, word for word is typical in a gift of prophecy. It's God speaking to you. So I think, it, I think my experience was the, the, a word. I don't think it was the gift of prophecy because prophecy tends to be a little bit more. It tends to be a message, word for word. Now, we prophesy here in the church, right? Now, I'm going to get into the diverse kinds of tongues in a moment, but it doesn't necessarily mean a forecasting of the future. Uh, Mike East was here not too long ago. Brother East came, and, and he was in his hotel room the night before he came to preach, and he said he felt like God was giving him a word of prophecy, and he sat down, and he wrote it down, and that's really critically important. When, when God is speaking to you, you feel like you're getting some kind of word. Something is just coming to you. It's really important. Grab a pad of paper, get in front of your computer, and write it down. And so Brother E sat down with his pad of paper and he wrote that thing out and he talked about our church and there was some important instruction that he felt that God had for this body. What a tremendous and wonderful value. What an unbelievable gift that God would speak to him before ministering to us. And he came and preached a wonderful message. So it's kind of like all of a sudden you, you, you get, uh, the Holy Ghost will give you this sort of direct, direct excuse me, career a clear, boy, I'm having trouble to say, prophetic word to give to someone else. You speak out the word uh, to this person and, and, and then you're done with it and that can happen in a short way. Again, similar to what I experienced before. Uh, it might be a very short word. It, it doesn't have to be a really long message and so you may not have the opportunity to record it. But sometimes those experiences come where it's gonna be a message. It's gonna be God speaking to you specifically. Sit down, write it down. Many times prophecy is used to help confirm what's already been given to the person earlier by the Lord. And so sometimes you yourself will have something. God will give you something. He'll give you direction. He'll give you that impression. People say, how, do God, how does God speak to you? And I've said many times, it's very, very rare that I hear an audible uh, voice. As a matter of fact, I've never had an open audible voice. I've had where he's spoken to me in my mind, in my heart. But many times it's impressions. It's direction. It's, it's a simple phrase. It's a simple word that just comes to me in my mind. And uh, I know people don't understand that, and a lot of folks in the world won't understand that. But sometimes he'll speak to you. But then, someone else, God will direct someone else and come and confirm that to you and say, I really feel like God has spoken to me. This is something for you. And you're standing there and you're going, wow, I felt that God spoke that to me. I wasn't sure, but I felt God spoke that to me too. That's a confirmation. That's a word of prophecy. He can use it to build up others and bring comfort and joy and peace and direction in people's lives. And and the opposite of this, I want you to look at it this way. Without the gift of prophecy in the church, we lose the opportunity to hear directly from God through those he's given a word to. We miss out on important wisdom and direction that may be very important to us. We need this operating in our church. We need people to feel a confirmation of what, what God is speaking to them. Working together, one another together, confirming and reinforcing God's word and direction for us. You know what that's going to do? It's going to build strength and faith. It's going to help us defend against the things the world's coming against that's knocking on our door, creating fear and anxiety and, and taking away our joy. That kind of confirmation, that kind of boldness that comes along with that is powerful. We need that operating in our church. And I hope I'm going quickly enough here. The gift of faith. Uh, We all have a measure of faith according to the Bible. It's by faith we're saved through grace according to Ephesians 2 and 9, right? 
so faith is something that everybody experiences. I've said many times from this pulpit that faith is always a, in constant flux. It's up and down and up and down. When uh, The Bible says that when you're sick and, and you're beaten down and you're not feeling well, your faith is in a low place. And that's why it says, call the elders of the church to come together and pray for you. Their faith will operate for you as, as you're not in a good place, right? Faith goes up and down. Sometimes we feel strong in the faith. Something great happens and we're just bold. We can go out and take down mountains. We're just so faithful. But something happens to us. We get knocked down by a sickness. Some kind of an illness comes or some financial matter breaks us and suddenly faith is way, way, way down low, right? That's natural. That happens in the natural person and it, and it, it, it is something we, we battle with all the time. And so the gift of faith is something that we can extol to other people. There are people I know that just have incredibly powerful faith. They just, every time you talk to them, you ever come into someone like that? Every time you speak to them, uh, oh, I'm going through this struggle right now. I, I'm, something, this happened, blah, blah, blah. And they just go, oh, hey, you know, bu- bu- bu, and, and just like this, and they're strong and powerful, and, and you know, God does this. And I remember when, and, and they seem invincible. You know what they're lacking? Fear. Fear. Absolutely lacking fear. Their faith is so strong. The gift of faith is a destruction of fear. Sometimes our faith is not enough. We need the supernatural, Holy Ghost level of faith uh, to give us the nerve and the strength to do extraordinary things. It's literally, in my view, supernatural courage. Now I'm gonna say something political here and this is not an endorsement and it's not to light anybody's fire up, but I'm making an observation. This is an observation. There's a man in the seat of the presidency of the United States of America that I have observed for well over three and a half years now, this man has no fear. You could say what you, you can say what you want about him. You can say, oh, I don't care. That's not what this is about. Observe the way he operates. He stands in courage, right or wrong, good or bad, heathen or whatever, I don't care. But he stands in courage, in total faith, with no fear and does what he does and says what he says and keeps moving forward. I have been astonished at times watching that unfold in front of us. Complete lack of fear. Does he have the gift of faith? He's got a lot of faith people. I know this for a fact because I've seen the pictures and I've heard the testimony. He's got a lot of faith people praying over him. I don't know if he's got the gift of faith, but he sure is mirroring exactly what I understand the gift of faith to be. It is supernatural courage lacking in fear. We need that today, big time. God, give me the gift of faith, not just for myself to appease myself and make me feel good, but that I can go to somebody. I can embrace somebody and say, hey, here's the situation. Bolster up, it's gonna be okay. Because when people that have that gift of faith get a hold of you, it transmits to you. You can feel that faith coming off of them and all of a sudden something riles up inside of you and you go, what in the world was I being afraid for? That's silly, God's in control. This guy just, this guy just let me know. Oh, we need that in the church like, like big time, big time need that in the church today. Oh, the gifts of healing. This one is extraordinary. I spoke to somebody recently, not too long ago, and found out that this is a very quiet person, someone who's, who's not very 
uh, a boisterous about things, isn't one to talk about themselves, but I found out that they were concerned about another person in the church. Someone was dealing with a very serious illness and, and very quietly they just shared their testimony and said, well, I just really felt uh, I, something inside me. I felt something and I went over to that person and I, and I began to pray for them for a healing. The person that we're talking about was, was suffering from cancer and a really serious eye disease. They were gonna lose their sight and they began to pray for that person and said, God, just use me. I want them to be healed so much. And do you know that that individual very shortly after that went to the hospital and found that there was no cancer in their body and the eyes situation, they were, were going to lose their sight, was completely healed. They did not lose their sight. I said, brother, you have been used in the gift of healing. That's extraordinary. That's wonderful. You see what I'm saying? Why don't we know that these things are operating in our church? We got to raise the roof with this stuff. It's not bragging. It's not say, doing anything, taking on the glory for yourself. You say, God just used me in the gift of healing, and they are healed. Fantastic. Notice, though, that the gifts of healing listed in the word is pluralized. I said that a moment ago. It's pluralized. The gifts of healing. Why? Why is it gifts? Why is it plural? Maybe because there's many, many types of healing that need to be had. Certainly physical healing, ailments in the body, COVID-19, cancers, etc. But there's mental issues that people are dealing with. Do you know that it's said that in the, in the upcoming years that pastors will deal more in issues of mental illness receiving people into their churches and counseling than any other type of ministry that they're going to be involved in. I'm reading books right now on helping people through mental challenges because this world is so horrific. It's so terrible, some of the things that are happening out there. The darkness consumes people. But there's emotional healings that need to happen too. People are hurt and, and have been hurt and have dealt with things from childhood all the way through. There's relational healings that have to happen between us as people, we bump into one another and we stub each other's toes and we, we do stupid things and, and say dumb things without thinking uh, and, and we hurt one another. The gifts of healing needs to operate in our church. It needs to be here. We have people that are hurt. We have people that are struggling with things. It's not a shame. It's not a bad mark on them. It's not a reason for them to hide away or, or subdue or, 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 or shudder away their feelings and their challenges. The gifts of healing can operate here and God wants people to be freed from those things. And of all places on planet earth, the church of the living God should be the place that they can be freed. Amen? Amen? Without the gifts of healing, it may be almost impossible to reach some people. There are many that would not have turned to God, to, turned to Christ, if you think about it in the word. What, what was he doing when he arrived, right? Remember I said is the greatest marketing campaign ever? When he arrived and began to minister, what did he start doing? He started healing, healing. He healed the blind. He healed the deaf. He brought people back from the dead. He showed that he had the power over every aspect of physical existence. Healing. There were many that probably would not have turned and begun to follow him had it not been for a healing experience. That's just truth, right? The working of miracles... Some of the different Bible dictionaries describe the word miracle as the following, an intervention in the natural universe by God, a phenomena that transcends natural laws, a divine act by which God reveals himself to people. 
A grand majority of Jesus' ministry was performing miracles to reveal who he was to the people uh, and, and to cause the word to spread and to get attention and, and, and bring uh, his message to the forefront. Maybe the only way that we reach some people. And you might say, well, that's a shame. If people aren't earnestly just going to come and give their hearts to God because they want to, well, that part can come. But sometimes it's going to be those miracles. It's going to be the realization. People in this world today are being so jaded and so turned against faith and people of faith. The message is being twisted. Uh, I've had people look at me in the face and say, oh, yeah, Christians, you're responsible for the Crusades. (laughs) The Crusades? It's like 700 years ago. I think we've come a long way since the Crusades, right? But... But these are the things that are being taught in schools and things that people are putting into their minds to keep those Christian folks away, right? And that's, that's a silly example, but I've heard it more than once, believe it or not. Sometimes miracles are going to be the way that they're going to say, okay, now I see this is real. This is the real deal. And you know, when we think about miracles, we don't have to, we don't have to talk about some loud hosanna and a bright light shone and some, some, something materialized or something like that. But I've seen miracles. You've seen miracles happen. We call them miracles because they are. There's something great and extraordinary that only God has been able to do. But I've said before, I've seen a man, I, I remember working with a man, witnessing and praying with a man, bringing him to church, who was just, he could not break the addiction of smoking the cigarettes. He just kept doing it. It was destroying him. It was killing him. And I said, if you're willing, if you're willing, God will do a miracle in your life and he'll remove the taste for that stuff from your life. And he came down to the altar. We prayed together. We prayed over that thing and took victory over it. He took the cigarettes out of his pocket and he laid them down on the altar and that was it. He's never touched him again since then. That's a miracle. Because right now people are spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars trying to break the addiction to those things. And this man finally said, I'm going to give it to God. And God did a miracle and took the taste out of his life. He's brought that, he's done that for alcoholics. He's done that for broken marriages. How about marriages that are on their way going down? They're going south. The two people are hating one another. Every hurt, everything going back and forth. And suddenly God intervenes into their situation, uses a minister, a counselor, a pastor, a friend, a family member, begins to work in them and building that love back up between the two of them. And that marriage comes back whole. That's a miracle. We need the gifts of miracle, miracles operating in our church. Because we need people, there's people that need healing, they need hurting, they're hurting, they've got issues, they've got challenges, things that are beyond their ability to accomplish. I can't break the addiction of, of nicotine uh, addiction or, or alcohol or whatever it is that they're dealing with or, 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 the, or the, some other issue that they're dealing with. I per, per, excuse me, personally witnessed a woman who was just incredibly overwhelmed with depression. This is very common in our world overwhelmed, just destroyed with, with, with depression, was spending thousands of dollars in therapy, thousands of dollars in, in, in reading and, and, and all these materials and doing all these classes and things, trying to break the, 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 the curse of depression. And I was at a Bible study one night and the person who was leading the Bible study knew that I had had experience as a 16-year-old man. God freed me in a miracle from depression of my own. Depression that was taking me to the brink. 16 years old, and an evangelist visited our church and our youth group, and he had to stand in a, in a circle and pray. And he said, everybody's got something in here that they're dealing with right now that you want to pray about. Just begin to pray about that. So I began to pray about my issue, and as he was making his way around the circle, 
and I'm praying, God, I need help from this. I want to be released from this. God suddenly gave me an image in my mind of something that I could only describe that looked like a bat or a gargoyle was sitting on my shoulders with claws sunk into my shoulders, looming over the top of me, sunk in. This was depression. It was black and it was ugly and it was latched on. And this young evangelist came around the circle and as that image was, was just raging in my mind, leans over and he puts his hand on my head and begins to pray over me in the name of Jesus to release me from whatever my issue was. I didn't say it out loud. He didn't know. But in, an exact, in that exact moment, when he began to pray the name of Jesus over me, I saw that thing release its claws from my shoulders, break away and flee backwards and disappear. And from that day, I'm 50 years old, that was a lot of years ago, 34, 44, 34, it was a long time ago, and I have never, ever experienced any level of depression like that again, ever in my life. And so this pastor, amen, so this pastor, knowing that, pulls me over and he says, Russ, I want you to pray for her. She is dealing with depression. And I took that faith. I took that knowledge and that image came back into my mind of that thing releasing itself off of my shoulders. And I began to pray over her just like that young evangelist prayed over me. Deliverance in the name of Jesus. And do you know at that moment she broke and she began to weep and laugh out loud as she was crying. She's laughing. And I said, why are you laughing, sister? And she said, because God has released me from depression. It's a miracle, the gifts of miracles. I'm wrapping up here. I know I've been going a little bit. Discerning of spirits is incredibly important. Discerning of spirits is a great gift. It's something that when people are engaging you and, and you're dealing with people in the world, dealing with people in your job and in different situations, people challenge with things, maybe even if they've got nefarious uh, uh, agendas that are coming towards you, God will give you a discerning spirit. God will tell you. He'll let you know. You could you ever, you ever be talking to somebody and you can say, I know they're lying to me. I know that person is lying to me right now. It just might be the spirit inside you that's letting you know that. Or maybe you're just really perceptive and you just happen to know. However, the discerning of spirits will go so much further than that. It's like sensing or discovering. It's an awareness and a knowledge of things based on what the spirit is telling you. I have had this experience in my life many, 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 many times. There are many times that I knew that through something that was being said or done, I knew there was an agenda. I knew something else was going to happen. I was prepared. And it was great because it prepared me to be in a better place mentally. You ever get into a situation, someone sneaks up on you, they're loving and hugging on you, and they're sticking a knife in your back while they're, you know, right? And so what happens? We react. We react in our flesh, and we, do, you know, we get into a fight or something bad happens. We ruin our testimony, and, and we don't look like Christians, right? But the discerning of spirits will say, watch out for that person. There's something going on here. And when the knife gets sunk in, and you know that it's happened, you're already prepared to say, okay, you know what? If that made you feel better, okay. But let me tell you what God's done for me in my life. It'll allow you to humble yourself. It'll allow you to defend yourself and be prepared for the things that are going to come against you. And it's not always bad things that we're discerning. Sometimes it's good things. Sometimes it's things we need to know. Something that we can discern in someone. For example, the lady dealing with depression. Maybe you encounter somebody and, and you discern in your spirit that someone's dealing with something and God calls you to minister to them and show God's love, that awesome power that's going to be the little LED light in the room of darkness, right? 
discerning of spirits, very powerful to allow us to minister to other people. Look what uh, uh, John wrote. First John chapter four says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. It's going to be a lot of things that are going to portray themselves to be godly and good and kind. But we use discerning of spirits. We test the spirits. The last two gifts, and I was going to read some scripture on this, and I'm getting a little bit long, so I, I don't want to get into that. I will give you the reference. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the first 28 verses, talks about diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation. And the reason I'm going to go a little bit light on it is simply because of this. In, and I've been in the church for 38 years now. See, I did the math right on that. I, for about 38 years. And I've been in many, many churches in our organization, and I have seen this set of gifts, the diverse kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, operate freely all the time. This operates in our church openly. People know that they have been used of that. They've been used here many times. It's a wonderful gift. God speaks to us, sometimes very powerful messages, faith-building messages, things that we need to know. It tells us that God knows exactly where we are. He understands where we are, uh, the plight that we're in. He knows, and it's emboldening to us. It's refreshing. It's powerful. It's humbling to hear God speak speak to us and say, I know exactly where you are. I'm with you. I have a message for you. And it's incredible. And so someone will begin to speak out and they'll speak out in tongues. In that scripture passage, Paul talks about the use of tongues, like the evidence where we pray in tongues. And he says, I'm glad that you speak in tongues. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. But I would rather that you spoke in tongues and there's interpretation. I would rather that you spoke in edifying of the church more so. Now, is he saying, quit speaking in tongues, don't pray in the spirit? No, that's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is, is for the purpose of edifying the church, it's a greater value. We pray in the spirit all the time. It's it's incredibly important that we do that. The act of praying in the spirit is that, I've said it before, it's that perfect communication from our hearts to God, undefiled by this intellect, undefiled by anybody that's around me. The enemy can't get in and fight it. It's like the Navajo wind talkers in World War II, I said. It was a language that could not be deciphered. The enemy can't decipher it. He doesn't know. He can't defile it. It's a perfect, beautiful language between me and God, right? we got to pray in the Spirit because those things are incredibly powerful. Things happen in the Spirit when we pray in the Spirit. But this gift, these gifts, the tongues and interpretation, are edifying the church. And so it talks about when people come in that don't know God yet, visitors come into the church, it doesn't do them any good to hear us stand up here preaching or praying and speaking in tongues, does it? And it even says in the Word, they might think we're cuckoo. And many people do. The world hates the tongues thing. They all know about it, but they hate it because it makes them feel weird. And it's strange. It's a weird thing those Pentecostals do, right? But Paul talks about why that's not as important to the visitor, to the person we're ministering to, to the people coming into the church that don't know. And so the gift of tongues, when somebody gives a message in tongues and it's immediately interpreted, that's an edification to those people. And the word says in that passage that that's what is going to signify. That's, wow, this is real. God is here. God is operating here. It's incredibly important. And so we have that very much operating in the church. And we need to continue to seek that, seek those gifts. 
Combine these nine gifts of the Holy Spirit with the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit so God can transform and mold you into the kind of person he wants you to become in him. You can become a truly sanctified, fully loaded God warrior like King David and Joshua. We need to. We need some God warriors. We gotta be ready, folks. There's gonna be some real Goliaths coming at us. You think COVID-19 is a Goliath? I think there's more. I think there's more for the church to endure. But you can do it absolutely without any fear, without bumping into one another, without having all these challenges that we do, without making mistakes. Ah, we're, we're imperfect. We're human. We're in the flesh. We're going to do things like that. But with the nine gifts of the Spirit fully operating in our church, we can bolster one another, embolden one another, enrich one another, and stop wasting all the time that we have to go through dealing with all the dumb mistakes that we make. I did that uh, for years as a young man coming up, making all the dumb mistakes and then spending all the time trying to make it right and repenting and reading and going back to the word and what can I do to be better, God? How can And all of that stuff. And I think, whoa, how many years did I waste just constantly working on me? But as a church full of the nine gifts, dressed to the nines, we can be powerful more powerful than we are now through him. December 23rd, 1776, a document was published called The American Crisis by Thomas Paine. The war had been raging on for quite a while already. Many people know that the the country was born on July 4th, 1776. Technically, as we, we say, the birth was the date. They signed the Declaration of Independence. They essentially declared war on Great Britain. Many people don't know. Anybody in here know when the war ended? We never talk about that, do we? The war ended in September of 1783. It went on for a long time, longer than World War II. Thomas Paine was a philanthropist and an author and a patriot. He wrote these words. He said, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and the thanks of man and woman. Summer soldier and sunshine patriot are people are fair weather. That's fair weather friends, fair weather patriots, fair weather soldiers, meaning first sign of trouble, out the door they go. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. We're not going to attain the gifts of the Spirit lightly. We're not going to attain the things that we want from God. The freedom from COVID-19, the great victories that we want lightly. It's those things that are dear that we work hard for. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Thomas Paine, December 23rd, 1776. And I'm closing. You can stand with me this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 1, says this, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We're doing it true. We're being honest with the word. We're not handling it deceitfully. 
But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Let the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts. Isn't that wonderful? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's given us that light. He's given us that ability. If you bear the spirit of God in your heart, you have the ability to do these things. To shine. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, in our bodies, we carry that treasure. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're, we're weak. We're just clay pots. And then he goes on to say, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. The light, the light, the light. We're in troubled times right now. Like Thomas Paine said, these are the times that try men's souls. It's a challenge. But it's a challenge laid before us who are filled with the Spirit of God. And we can see these nine gifts operating in our church. We can see Pentecost again. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you, God, today for your word. I thank you so much, Lord, that you would even consider reaching out to a failing soul like me, somebody not worthy a wretch, God, someone unimportant with no name, a nobody from nowhere, but that you would fill me with your spirit. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.